Hello, family. Before we get started, I have some exciting news. Two weeks from today, we will celebrate Easter with a corporate worship service at 11 a.m. I invite you to join us for this limited in-person Sunday morning worship. That's Sunday, April 4th. Our doors will open at 1045 a.m. The plan going forward is to have corporate worship services every other week with COVID protocols in place. Please check our Facebook page for more details about our worship schedule. It's Newark, Delaware, First Church of the Nazarene. These weekly podcasts will continue, but if you live in the Newark, Delaware area, I invite you to celebrate Easter with us on Sunday, April 4th. Thanks. I hope to see you then. Good morning, family. Thanks for joining me today. Today is the fifth Sunday in Lent. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. So two weeks from today, it will be Easter. As we move closer and closer to Easter, we're moving with Jesus closer and closer to the cross and ultimately to his resurrection from the tomb. This morning, let's look at the gospel according to John. Here's the context. Jesus and his disciples are headed to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Of course, everyone is going to celebrate. But Jesus is going in order to offer himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. On the way, Jesus and his disciples run into some fellow pilgrims. This wasn't unusual. Slightly more unusual was who these pilgrims were. But most unusual of all was the request that these pilgrims made. Let me show you what I mean. Let's read from John chapter 12. Hear the word of the Lord. Some Greeks were among those who had come up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and made a request, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Jesus replied, speaking of himself, The time has come for the human one to be glorified. I assure you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it can only be a single seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their lives will lose them, and those who hate their lives in this world will keep them forever. Whoever serves me must follow me. Wherever I am, there my servant will also be. My Father will honor whoever serves me. Now I am deeply troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this time? No, for this is the reason I have come to this time. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard and said, It's thunder. Others said, An angel spoke to him. Jesus replied, This voice wasn't for my benefit, but for yours. Now is the time for judgment of this world. Now this world's ruler will be thrown out. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to me. Then John adds these words of commentary. He said this, to show how he was going to die. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be 
to God. When I was growing up, my father was a pastor. The other day I was thinking about the first church my father pastored in North Syracuse, New York. One day, for some reason, I was in that church sanctuary all by myself, and I wandered up and stood behind the pulpit. That's when I noticed a little plaque mounted on the pulpit where only the preacher could see it. The plaque was engraved with these words, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Back then, I didn't know what the phrase meant or where it came from. But now I do. Some Greeks, John tells us, were on their way to worship in Jerusalem. These Greeks spoke to one of Jesus' disciples, the man named Philip. The Greeks were more than likely Gentiles, non-Jews, who were fascinated by the antiquity of Judaism and its profound ethical teachings. Maybe they had even begun to worship Jehovah, the God of Israel. In those days, Gentiles who loved and followed Jehovah were known as God-fearers. They could be found all across the known world in the first century. Now, many of these God-fearers would have converted to Judaism had it not been for one demanding requirement. Can you guess what it was? Circumcision. That was a deal-breaker for some, apparently. So here we have these Greek God-fearers on their way to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem. Jesus and his disciples are on their way, too. But Jesus is not going to celebrate. He is going to suffer. His aim is not so much to dine, but to die. And then, on the third day, to be raised from the dead. As they traveled along, these Greek pilgrims asked Philip if they could see Jesus. Why Philip? Probably because he had a Greek name. Philip passed the request along to Jesus, and Jesus' response is quite interesting. He didn't say, sure, send them over, or anything else that we'd expect him to say. Instead, he exclaimed, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, this is a major turning point in John's Gospel. If we back away and take a bird's-eye view of John's Gospel, you can see that it's easily divided into two sections or two books. The first part of John's Gospel is sometimes called the Book of Signs, and the second half is sometimes named the Book of Glory. In the Book of Signs, Jesus performs seven miracles that John calls signs. The first miracle, or sign, is when Jesus turned the water into wine at the wedding feast at Cana. The last sign was probably Jesus' greatest miracle, raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. All through the book of signs, Jesus makes cryptic references to his hour or his time, saying that it had not yet come. Like when Mary, his mother, told him that the wedding feast was out of wine, he said, My hour has not yet come. Back in John chapter 7, Jesus declines to go to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles because the Jews wanted to arrest him, and his time had not yet fully come. But then in chapter 12, 
When the Greeks showed up asking to see Jesus, somehow he knew that the hour had come for him to be glorified. It was time. And that's when we realize that Jesus' idea of glory and our idea of glory are radically different, right? You see, for Jesus to be glorified meant embracing the cross, an instrument of torture and death. For Jesus, glory was the epitome of suffering. In verse 24, Jesus alluded to that suffering that would lead to his death when he said, I assure you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it can only be a single seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Then in verse 27, Jesus continued, Now I am deeply troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this time? No, for this is the reason I have come to this time. Jesus finished this line of thinking when we get to verse 32 and he announced, When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to me. So when non-Jews like these Greeks come looking for him, Jesus realizes that his mission was no longer restricted to just Israel. It had become universal. It was time for him to be lifted up, and that's obviously a reference to his crucifixion on the cross, so that all people could be drawn to him. Does that sound like glory to you? For us, glory is very different. We think that glory is about getting and having more. More money, more prestige, more followers, more influence, more power. But for Jesus, glory wasn't about getting more. It was about giving more. We see this all through John's Gospel. But nowhere is it more vivid than in the final chapters, in the last part of John's Gospel that we sometimes call the Book of Glory. Jesus gave himself to his friends by washing their feet. Then he gave himself to the world by dying on the cross. This is the completion of the great arc of self-emptying, self-giving, that began with the opening verses of John's Gospel. The cosmic word by which God spoke creation into being descends from on high and is clothed with flesh, and we beheld his glory. This God in human flesh healed the sick. He fed the multitude, raised the dead, and finally completed his task by dying on the cross. Then and only then did he reclaim the glory that was rightfully his. Sir, we want to see Jesus. Over a lifetime ago, somebody in North Syracuse, New York, knew that every single person who stepped up to that little pulpit in that little church and presumed to preach the gospel needed to first seriously consider those words, we want to see Jesus. Why? Because the great temptation in preaching is to give the hearers something other than Jesus. We want to see Jesus, people around us plead, and we give them our learning, our comments on the day's news, a funny story, or a clever joke. But too often there is very little Jesus in our preaching. But it's not only preachers who do this. There are people all around us who want, who need to see Jesus.
and they're wondering if the people who claim to follow and love Jesus can help them see Jesus. So here's the obvious question. Do people see Jesus in you? Can they see him in the way you live your life and in the way that you love? Do people see the servant Lord who washed the feet of his friends? Can they see the teacher who embraced everyone who came to him? Do folks around you see the great healer who made the lame to walk and caused the blind to see? If people around us have any hope of seeing Jesus in us, then we must first spend time with Jesus ourselves. We must let him lead us. We must let him heal us. And we must feed upon his body broken for us. And above all, we must stand at the cross and wonder as the word who spoke out of the void lapses into silence and death for love of the world. A few years ago, a rabbi published an editorial in his local newspaper on Christmas Day. He wrote, I like Christmas and I like Christians. My only problem with both is that they need more Jesus. I think he hit the nail on the head, don't you? Sometimes those who are outside the circle of the church can see and name our problems far better than we can. We all need a lot more Jesus. It's not only a problem for us preachers. It's a problem for each and every one of us who considers themselves to be a follower of Jesus. Sir, we want to see Jesus, the Greeks said to Philip. But we need to see Jesus too, so that when others want or need to see Jesus, they can see him in us. As the old spiritual song puts it, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. When I am alone, give me Jesus. When I come to die, give me Jesus. You can have all the world, but give me Jesus. Let's pray. Good and gentle God, reveal yourself to us. May we live so closely to you that people can see and hear Jesus in us. Forgive us when temptation again suggests what seems an easier road than that which you have provided. Lower hills, level paths, fewer people demanding our time and resources. Remind us of your walk to the cross, the sacrifice you made for each one of us. Your hands stretched out for all to be embraced and reborn into a new life, not centered on us, but on you and on all people. As the pandemic continues, we pray for those battling COVID-19, not only medically, but also emotionally, financially, spiritually. We need your healing and protection. We are tired, frustrated, and exhausted. Please give us the strength and wisdom we need to navigate these difficult days. And now using the words debts and debtors, let us pray with boldness the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me today. Please join me next week as we will see Jesus enter Jerusalem to the shouts of Hosanna. Now, your job this week is to love at least three people and make sure at least one of them doesn't deserve it because everyone needs love and everyone needs to see and hear Jesus in you. And everyone needs to know that God loves them no matter what. Please don't let your guard down and don't let these difficult days rob you of your joy. With Jesus, we always, always, always have hope. Now receive these words of benediction today. The Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and grant you his peace. Amen. Amen.